the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Let's start off with a couple quotes just to get our, uh, our mind right. Change means that what was before wasn't perfect. People want things to be better. That comes from Mr. Dyson of Dyson uh, Vacuum Cleaners. Become a student of change is the only thing that will remain constant, and that was Anthony D'Angelo. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. That was Henry Ford. Anyway, uh this is a um, this show today is recorded, so we're not going to take any questions. But uh, if you'd like any of the information we talked about, you know, we always talk about dividend growth. You know what the great inflation uh, story is? Is dividend growth. People don't understand that, but you know, dividend growth, uh, dividends are a way to beat inflation because if you add the dividend with any kind of return you get, you're usually beating inflation. Okay, so. Dividend growth portfolios are great. The prime income list is another way uh, of, of uh, you know, going forward in an inflationary period. Remember, after all is said and done, stocks are inflationary hedges. That commodities are and, and real estate investment trusts. So, uh, you know, you got to think about that uh, ahead of time. But if you'd like it, just go to WHK1420. Go to the local podcast down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show. And uh, to my webpage, by the way, and you know, or you can go right to my webpage, and it has all sorts of contact me and email me. And don't forget, Insight is a banner up top, and there's a lot of good research. We change it regularly. There's two good articles this week. I'm not going to mention them. They, you know, just uh, you got to look at them yourself. And then under bulletin board, we have Rob Schleimer, who may be one of the best technicians on the planet. He's been voted that a couple times uh, under Trend and Cycle. Okay, uh, it's usually roadmap, I believe. So, but we have div- dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, and I think small caps uh, may be a place where you want to look in the near future. But I'll let you all take it from there. So, I was listening to Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, and uh, you know, look, I think the S and P 500 is still trading as though it's experiencing a growth, experiencing a growth scare. Uh, you know, framework that has been pointing to the downside. Um, like 3850, you know, looks like the area that, you know, that it wants to go to. Okay. Uh, current trends in the economic forecast continue to support the idea that it is right way to think about how far stocks should fall, though we remain, uh, mindful that that could change. Okay. Institutional investor sentiment has made significant progress. Now it's, it's caught up with retail, uh, Nobody likes anything, which is always good. I'm going to talk about cash positions going forward. And while valuations aren't yet a reason to buy U.S. equities on their own, they are no longer a problem. Okay, uh, and that's what I think you got to think about. Now, 
despite how much worse the tape has felt, the S&P 500 closed last Thursday down about 18%, and then it had the big uh, sell-off on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, those are pretty big numbers that we're looking at. And I think people are starting to understand that, uh, you know, if the Fed takes us down much further, they're going to be talking about a recession. And I don't think the Fed wants to go into a recession. Uh, But what happened was on Tuesday, uh, there was a Wall Street Journal uh, interview with Mr. Powell, and he was decidedly uh, aggressive. And uh, I haven't seen him like that before. Uh, So it was was new uh, to me. But, you know, retail, April was a big month for inflation. Let's just face it. I mean, any way you look at it, it was a big month for inflation, just like COVID, you know, I mean, January COVID was was huge for, uh, uh, you know, the, the COVID. I mean, it was the biggest month for new COVID uh, stuff uh, uh, cases that we've had. So, look, um, let's start with the consumer, okay? Retail sales were strong uh, this week. Um, I think it was the 16th they came out. But we're not sure if we should take any comfort in that report. Um, the data is pretty clear. The consumer is taking on more and more debt to support consumption, and that is not an encouraging dynamic, all right? Too much consumer debt is a classic consumer imbalance that gives us, gets us into trouble every time. So uh, you know, I leave that to your thought process. With Look, with some consumers, we do see switching, you know, which would include switching specifically from brands to private brands, okay? We've been seeing some of that. So that, that might be a, a, a negative for several companies out there. Um, also, you know, a couple of the con- uh, uh, retailers had the wrong product. You know, they sold a lot of uh, uh, suitcases and stuff like that, but the rest of the product was was different than what they expected. expected. So the category mix shift, along with increased inventory, uh, is, is not a good situation for uh, a lot of the retailers. And I think also the midterm elections are coming up, and it doesn't take an, ex- an astute political observer to know that the GOP has a real shot at taking control of the House or the Senate or both, okay? And let's consider that in the context of many signals that things are slowing and the p- potential of job losses later this year. So I, I think... Um, you know, Powell was out there today seemingly sounding more hawkish than – I mean, this was Tuesday, I'm sorry – than his uh, last FMOC uh, press release uh, or press conference. Um, you know, so there was a lot of stuff that went on there. Uh, but I think, you know, the, he, he said that there's a risk of persistent labor shortages on the same day there are fewer than two companies by our count that laid off people. All right, and it's it's not the first time we've seen it, so it's 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 ongoing. So, look, equity markets have remained the focal point for investors in 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 2020. What they don't realize is if you're in high yield bonds, you're down like 27 percent, and if you're in just straight up bonds, uh, you know you were down 20 percent, and now you've rallied a, a couple percent. So that's kind of I, I don't think the, the the absolute bottom is in in, in bonds or stocks. Um, so we got to be careful with that. But investor patience has been tested uh, by historically weak performance uh, in the fixed income market. 
the 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 aggregate bond index is down about 10 percent uh it was down much more it rallied a little bit so inflation concerns and inflation impact on monetary policy and economic growth have driven both you know markets which are the two biggest markets to one of the worst starts to a year ever all right so the recent inflation data came in at 8.3% year over year, uh, slightly above consensus and slightly below the 8.5 hit a month earlier. So that's a positive. With the Russian-Ukraine conflict and the Chinese pandemic lockdowns adding risk to the economy, or the economic recovery, shall we say, the Fed is an increasingly challenging position. You know, they're forced to balance rising in- inflation and related needs to raise rates against the inflation, the potential for weaker economy growth because of, you know, what's going on out there. So the soft landing might be a little bit more difficult to deal with. And so, look, inflation, um, predicting the trend of inflation, determining if, if we have reached a peak or remain, you know, a guessing game, okay? But from the peak inflation, markets have gone up a lot. I mean, a whole lot. Monetary policy inflation will probably be the tail that wags the monetary monetary policy dog, if you will, okay? And as the Fed reacts to inflationary pressure, now, the Fed will probably be late. Trust me on that. Growth. Uh, why GDP growth is an important factor in gauging the health of economic activity, you've got to be more focused on corporate earnings growth as a gauge to where the equity markets are heading. All right, with quarter one earnings seasonally uh, largely complete, we see minimal changes to our earnings. Uh, yet, anyway. So, that's something to be thinking about, and it, you know you, you, that's the type of thing you got to think about. Now, one of the things that gave me a, a bit of a positive, you know, uh, bent here is that you know Shanghai, the lockdown in Shanghai is, is starting to go away, uh, and that could mean that things are, you know, the the Chinese economy is turning a little bit, uh, which could be a problem with oil. I mean, oil could uh, have one more rally, and then we'll see what happens. But uh, you know. It, it, the question now becomes the the Chinese market. <laughs> uh, you know, I did look. I think that you know, I looked at the charts, and this is Tim Hayes speaking now, no, nobody else. But uh, the China equity market looked like a bottom at the end of the of April, and so far is is outperforming. You know, from there, so we'll see. Uh, you know, we won't. We only have one higher low, so it's not like it's the. Uh, um, you know, great. But if you look at the Shanghai versus the Morgan Stanley corporate index, uh, the relative strength has really gone crazy. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I was looking for green shoots, you know, good ideas, you know, good good reasons, uh, you know, for things to get better. And, uh, I, this is what I saw. Used car prices have been weakening. China, uh, the China opening alleviates some future supply chain problems. Uh, which is hopefully lower inflation eventually. And inflation break-evens are cooling. Uh, also, the housing market has been showing some signs of weakness, uh, a no- number of people buying new homes. And the latest JOLT survey, uh, that's the job opening survey, uh, and data, you know, has been starting to, like, slowly it – lo- well, it looks like it's, you know, slowing down. The, the, the rise is slowing down, uh, you know. So that's that's a big positive. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um, now, I also want to recommend something, and and that is uh, we had our healthcare conference this week, uh, 
And I, I think the day one has got some really good stuff in it. Um, and, and really good stuff in it, as a matter of fact. And, and I would send away for that about you. Okay. Uh, so you can get that by going to WHK 1420 local podcast down to smart investor show goes directly to my webpage, hit the, uh, you know, contact me and, and we'll send that out. Uh, Healthcare has been down for a long, long time. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. Once again, uh, I'm going to highly recommend the healthcare conference stuff. Uh, this is the the updates from day one. I got day two coming tomorrow. There's some really good information here, and a lot of these stocks are down a lot. Um, they just nobody likes them, <laughs> you know. And I think you know sometimes when nobody likes something, that's you know you got to pay the most attention to. And nobody's liked them for a long, long time. And that's even better. I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, they've been at the bottom of the barrel for five to seven years, somewhere around there. So we had another important test of the S&P 500, and it failed. And I, to be honest with you, I, uh, I've been looking for a bottom around here. Okay, I've been actually buying stocks, and uh, people think I'm crazy, but uh, I noticed uh, Thursday uh, on uh, – uh, CNBC that uh, a certain really well-known portfolio manager um, recommended three of the stocks <laughs> that I was buying, which I think are kind of neat. I'm going to talk about one of those stocks in insider buying later today because uh, I think it looks pretty good. So I, I think, you know, uh, we failed the test. Uh, we broke down to a new low. Uh, but, you know, the advanced decline line didn't make a new low. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? The VIX didn't make a new high. The VIX has gone to 3150, one, two, three, four, five times, and and then died. Uh, which which is, you know, I mean, uh, so we're the advanced decline line's not hitting a new low, and and then also we have the VIX not hitting a new high. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, because the VIX has been above uh, – it's averaged 28.52 since the the day before Thanksgiving, and that's a long time. That's six months, folks. So that's the longest period of time I can remember. I think it goes back to the 70s where we equaled that. Now, one of the things that I, I was really kind of upset about is retail just got hammered last week. I um, mean, if you looked at Target, Target was down $52 at the close after earnings. And uh, they just bought the wrong stuff. Walmart did the same thing. And you know what? What was it re- equally interesting is Walmart had a really good uh, – Home Depot had a really good quarter, and they couldn't keep the rally going. So you know, people are just negative, negative. Uh, now, the other thing I'm, I'm a little worried about is the transports. Uh, they are holding you know, right where they are, and I think it, you know, they got to really be careful here. And, and then I looked at the uh, the Russell, and the Russell is right at major support, and it, it, it was up on Thursday and Friday, so uh, we'll see what happens and go from there. Uh, the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index 
looks like it might be making a, a little bit of a double bottom, so we'll see what happens from here. Uh, the dollar continues to hit a new high. And remember what I said last week. You know, we had two two major events occur. Number one, bonds broke the the forty year downtrend in yield. Now this is yield now, not not uh, probably did it the other way around on the on the uptrend. So that's a, that's a big thing. And the other thing is the dollar broke a downtrend dating back to 1984. Those are pretty long periods of time. Uh, so, the, you know, the momentum on the dollar is, is very overbought. So it'll be interesting to see if it, if it holds. Uh, and we'll certainly uh, look for that. Now, I was, will say this. I was looking at China. And I'm just looking at a couple of ETFs now, so I'm not – this is Tim Hayes' opinion. By the way, Mark Newton at uh, Fundstrat kind of agrees with me, so that's – it's always good to have smart people like that agree with you. But could the peak bearishness for China offer a buy opportunity? Okay, that's what Mark said, by the way, and it's, that was his headline. And I uh, I seem to think that – you know, I was looking at the FXI and a few other ETFs like that, and um, it, they've made a higher low. All right. Uh, the question is, will they continue? And that's the that's the million dollar question. And I, I don't have an answer for you yet. Uh, some pe- I, I got an email yesterday from a, a listener who asked me about KWeb, which is another ETF. That's one of the ones I'm looking at. But no, you know, uh, we haven't broken the downtrend and we ha- have made a higher low. So that's kind of interesting. But, you know, what was really interesting on Wednesday was the, the market was down. 1200 points, which is, you know, not a good day for me. <laughs> uh, and my, by the way, my phone didn't work. So if you tried to call me, I apologize, but there was a cell tower problem in Hudson. Um, but the VIX went past 3150 and didn't close below it. So the VIX did not, it didn't show the fear that you would expect. And maybe it's because it's been up for so long. Uh, you know, so. I don't know, but some people asked me about crude oil this week, and crude oil is nearing an area of upside resistance, which uh, should prove important in causing some slowdown reversal. Uh, and I think you know what you do is you use that. You know, if it does get a little bit weak, uh, you know, you, you use the move backwards to to buy more. I I think uh, the oil services stocks will be really important going forward. Also, the one thing that is you know so we have everybody bearish now you know the aaii poll you know which is american association of individual investors is very very bearish so it's nine percent bulls or something like that and now the institutions are right there they're below 20 and when they get below 20 that's when you you know you got to be paying attention but the other thing is uh the cash levels are at the highest levels in more than 20 years all right so that kind of indicates to me that the sell-off is kind of in its late stages. I, I think there might be one more, you know, move down just to make sure I can't sleep. Uh, <laughs> that's the way it works. And and you know, look, I, I think Treasury yields look to be rolling over a little bit. Now that could hurt the dollar, and and the, like I said, the dollar is you know the momentum's kind of at a peak. Uh, the, the one thing that bugs me, I guess, with all this is the transportations have broken to new yearly lows. Now, they haven't – on a long-term chart, they still look okay, but you don't, you don't like to see that. Uh, you know, Rob Schleimer pointed that out uh, in, his, in his update this week. So um, I think that's uh, verily, 
kind of interesting. Um, I don't think we're ready for the ultimate low. You know, if you look at uh, the weekly DeMarc indicators, you don't know who DeMarc is. Uh, Tom DeMarc is one of has got some of the best systems. He's, he's come up with more indicators than anybody I know. Uh, if, if you know who he is, you know what 9 and 13 mean. So uh, we're not there uh, at a 13 or a 9 yet. So, um, you know, we kind of have this, you know, we broke support. And then we have a downtrend line. And so what we have to do is first break the downtrend line and then break above where we broke down from the support. And if that's the case, then I think we'd be in pretty good shape. Uh, but, you know, you have to you have to get through there first. It's like, like I said, the transportations have broken down to a new low. Still got a lot of uh, support just here coming up. So um I think energy may be the last thing to fall because uh, I'm just looking at the charts and uh, I know that Tom's looking for a pullback from a resistance area and so isn't uh, Rob Schleimer. So those are usually good guys to follow, as I've always found. Um, so the, the the question is, you know, based on the chart, and I looked, I looked at these charts like numerous times, are we going to a new high after we we finished this low and my answer would probably be no. I would suggest we probably either need a, a double bottom or a triple bottom or something like that. Uh, you know, because too many people are bearish and they'll get, they'll get 10% and they'll, they'll run for cover. Okay. Um, and you know, I just don't see a new high coming for a while. All right. It's going to be a while. I think it's uh, you know, maybe a year, but it'll also be, a wonderful time to be buying somewhere around here. And I think it's coming. I just don't know uh, uh, if it's the case, but um, we, we don't have, you know, uh, the DeMarc indicators, if you don't, like I said, if you don't know Tom DeMarc is, you should, uh, they don't have any meaningful evidence of exhaustion yet. It's getting close, but it's not there. All right. On their, on their work. And uh it looks like to me the gold cycle may be rolling over for the next month or two. So uh, that's something also, by the way, uh, you know, most of the stuff um, I see, and then I get, I look at other people's stuff and, you know, uh, they verify it. And, and both uh, uh, Mark Newton and also Rob Schleimer have said kind of the same thing. So, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me about Bitcoin and I don't know enough about it to make any comments. So I apologize, but uh, you know, it's all technical. It's, it has nothing to do with fundamentals. Now, look, one of the things, uh, if you look at the NASDAQ composite, the uptrend is still intact, but there's still some divergences, meaning the relative performances versus the S&P 500 peaked in October. Uh, well, it was last uh, first week of November in 2021. And uh, so it, it's not performing as well as the S&P 500. And uh, there's several areas where it could be bottoming. I would suggest that somewhere around 9,800, uh, maybe 9,850 would be a place to, you know, look to buy some stuff. And the only question I have is, you know, it went a little bit parabolic. Uh, it didn't go half as parabolic as it did in 2000. In 2000, everything broke down because uh, the orders weren't there. Now, the question is, are the orders there? Uh, is, or is this all, you know, you know, made up like it was in 2000? So 
Uh, I don't know the answer to that yet. I do know that the, the S&P 500 on a daily basis is very, very oversold. And uh, we're starting to get that rounded bottom. But I think it'll take one more, you know, look out below. Uh, but like I said, the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500 is the one thing that bugs me a little bit. You like to see it at least break out of its downtrend. And uh, that that would take a bit of a, a move. So, uh, you know, you... You want to be thinking about that, uh, you know, before you go out and buy the, the latest technology stock. I think um, now there there are some very interesting stocks, and um, I, I did get a call this week uh, from Michael. Michael asked some pretty smart questions. Said, "Tim, what do you think about natural gas?" And natural gas, I think, might peak here in the near future. I didn't say it's over yet. I just said it might peak short term. You know, so if you're tactical, if you're doing tactical trading, you got to watch it. I think uh, 760 or something like that is where you want to be paying attention. Hey, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be right back with uh, the bullish percent. Stay tuned. There must be some kind of way out of here. Said a joker to the thief. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we, we always talk about uh, risk management on this show. And, you know, we start with strategy piece, and then we talk about economics a little bit, and then we go into different details in the technical wheel. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to add fundamentals and technicals, okay? Uh, technicals tend to, tend to show up first, and then the fundamentals show up. Uh, usually the analysts uh, you know, they can't see the future, and the market's telling us something about six months ahead of time. So you just got to think that way. Uh, now, one of the ways we look at risk is the, the bullish percent, which was designed, and all it is is the number of stocks on buy signals versus sell signals. And what you get is you get, you get a chart from zero to 100. And when you get over 70, that's when everybody's happy. That's when you should be cautious. When you break from above 70 to below 70, that's when you should be cautious because when people start to sell, it becomes a mania, as we've just noticed in the last couple of months. So people sell, 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 not even thinking about the long term. Okay, and 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 this is probably going to be a blip in the long term. Just just to remind you that this has happened before. Okay, so then we get below thirty, and we reverse back up, and nobody wants to buy. All right, As a matter of fact, I. I have several phone calls to make this afternoon about people who, who want to bail, and I, I'm not going to let them, all right? So uh, I think it's important that you you know, you know change your, your mind a little bit. Now, look, in the long run, everybody hates to be go through a market like this, me included. Uh, but, I mean, as long as you have quality companies, remember, they're trying to do better every day so they can make more money. That's the way capitalism works. So what we've done is we've gone from 81 in March of last year, and now we've gone below 30. We were at 23 just a week ago, as I mentioned. Uh, we are now at 29.76. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, 29.76. And so if we were to break above 30, and we would, that would put us into a column of exits. That would be a reversal up, folks. So that would be positive. Um, the over-the-counter index, 
is at 22, it's still in the column of O's. It's got a long way to go, but uh, if it, you know, it also went down more. Um, it started at a lower level, though. It started at 54, so that's important. And and the world index was up 2.3 to 29.9, so that's getting pretty close to, you know, a, a, a reversal up too. Uh, by the way, China is a big portion of that. And like I said, China is kind of at maximum bearishness. So just just remember that. The, the, the question is the Chinese government went up, the economy go down. They got too many people over there. They'd have mass riots, and uh, I don't think they want that either. Um, so what I'm saying is, is that, you know, look, we've got some things. We've got some green shoots out there, folks. We've got the 200 – I mean, we've got the advanced decline line. We haven't made a new low. Uh, we've got everybody bearish. We've got our cash positions the highest in 20 years. Those are good signs. All right? Those are very good signs. Now, I think, you know, my my opinion, there might be one more down leg. All right? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, with, with the bullish percent turning up, it's prob- it might be in a column of X's as we speak. Uh, I think you have to pay particular attention, but when you see reversals from below 30%, that is when the strongest returns historically have occurred, okay? So an initial move above 30% is not a call to step in all the way back in the market, okay? Usually you're going to test that, you know, we, we don't have too many V-shaped recoveries, but if you get a double bottom, that'd be very possible, the, the reversal up from a lower level is an indication of increased participation by institutions as the positions have moved back into buy signal. Okay, so that's that's a big that's a big positive. Now, sector wise, um, you know, I think that uh, you want to look at you know energy. I still think you overweight. Um, you know, it, it definitely looks like it's it's a positive scenario. Uh, basic materials still look good, um, but you know, and then consumer non-cyclical. Uh, but they got hammered on, on Thursday, really big time. Financials gain a little ground. Industrials a little bit. I guess the two that are still down and out are healthcare and communication services. And healthcare has been down for seven years. Communication services less than a year. And what's interesting is technology is now fourth to last, and it's. Uh, only like 10 votes above the third to last so uh you know i think real estate could be equal weight financials are weakening although they're really at a lot of them are at support level so we'll see what happens so i'll leave it at that you know i've got a lot of questions about international equities and uh i noticed a couple things uh you know somebody asked me about sweden on why sweden it's it's still below its downtrend line uh it went back into a column of x's so not too worried about that, but the 10-year uh, Treasury Yield Index, which is the TNX, uh, fell to a sell signal this week. So the index reversed up and reached 3% on Wednesday, but closed down for the day and, and still remained below the recent 3.15% it reached a, a week ago. So, you know, that's kind of an exhale in, in rates and has been a positive for the core fixed income market, by the way. Uh you know, if you look at high yield bonds, they've just been crushed. Uh, so you want to say, you know, you know, keep keep your eyes open for that. But if if yields are starting to top out, uh, you know, high yields would be a good place to go. 
Now, most of the commodity indexes and most of the commodities like copper, gold, corn, uh, et cetera, et cetera, have been negative for seven weeks. Now, what we did have is we had crude oil reverse up last week and then go back down. So that might be trying to find a bottom. I don't know. They, they've been a focal point throughout 2022, let's put it that way. And they've been mentioned during a lot of conversations about inflation. So we'll see what happens. But with with the macro nature of crude prices, we can infer some broader trends based on the price movement through crude oil. Uh, you know, if you look at a beta study, uh, you know, there's there's ways to look at this. And, and the historical tendency shown in beta image, uh, I don't think paint the full paint up picture of the behavior this year. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, gold is currently has the highest 90-day correlation with crude oil, but the third lowest adjusted three-year beta. So things things aren't, things aren't are not working out the way we intended them to, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in so many words. So um, something to think about. Now, oil has been pretty resilient, and it, and it's traded above $93, $95 support area, and is testing the next resistance at 115, 116. We'll see what happens. Uh, copper has fallen to the lower end of its trading range, but it's oversold, all right, and beginning to bounce a little bit. Gold has pulled back, but it's also oversold. Uh, you know, eight weeks of negative momentum is usually a, a situation where you want to be paying a little bit closer attention, I think. Um, now, everybody keeps asking about growth versus value, and uh, Growth remains relative value remains in a downtrend. There's no doubt about it. Uh, with lower highs and lower lows in place, and the Nasdaq Composite, the average stock's down like 44 percent, and that's 3,666 stocks or something like that. Um, you know, look, there's probably a tradable rebound, probably likely. You know, nothing goes straight down. The question is, how tradable is it? And like I said earlier in the show, I don't think the next move is to a new high. I think we're going to muddle around a while, you know, maybe make a double bottom or a triple bottom just to make sure we can't sleep and, you know, maybe make a double bottom and make this, you know, a lower high and uh, I mean, higher low and, uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, but if you look at high beta versus low volatility, uh, that trade has eroded even more and it's kind of amazing. So um, now they're starting to get to the big names. You know, the, the Apples, the Microsofts, and that type of thing, Tesla. Um, you know, uh, some of the semiconductors are showing some signs of stabilization, so we'll see more from that uh, come, and, come and do here. But I also think there's some more conservative examples in the energy area that could be good long-term holds, all right? Uh, and I, I've seen some bottoming candidates in industrials. Um, and some of the pharmaceuticals. I mean, there's three or four pharmaceuticals that I really, really like. Um, it, it's amazing that that whole group is still basically under the gun, um, you know, because they saved the day. Uh, so, once again, the weekly S&P 500 is oversold. The daily is oversold. The monthly is still at a point where you know, you, you need a little bit um, of consolidation, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but I think the key is, and, and I'll say this probably 10 times before the show's over, you know, look, you go down 1,200 points on the Dow and you, and you don't have a new low or you don't, you don't 
make a new low on the advanced decline line. And the VIX goes up to 31, 31.89, I think, and then comes back and, and falls below that. So you're seeing some things that, uh, you know, may not make sense, but they're usually signs uh, of a bottom. Now, you know, uh, like on Thursday, you know, the Dow Jones was down about, uh, well, I don't know, 250, 160 points or whatever, and the VIX was down. Okay? So what we're seeing is is things that don't make sense. You know, you would think if you hit a new low, the VIX would be up at 40, but it's not happening. All right? So maybe the VIX is telling us that the next move, uh, you know, may be up. Now, like I said, uh, I think there may be one more move down, just to make sure we're all paying attention. Uh, but I also think that I'm seeing some signs, you know, like on the Russell 2000, uh, that type of thing, where we're seeing some movement to the upside. And uh, we'll leave it at that and, uh, you know, take it from there. Now, the NASDAQ has reached um, its, you know, I mean, if, if I looked on a Fibonacci retracement, uh, the NASDAQ is where, you know, you would hope it would stop because the next leg down would be about 12, 12% further down. All right. Um, and I don't think I don't know. I just don't think that's going to happen. Me personally, uh, unless the Fed really gets crazy. I mean, if they do three quarters of a point next time around, but you know, to have the the, the volatility index makes a series of lower highs here uh, over the course. You know, uh, we, we haven't we've hit thirty six, we've hit thirty you know five, and we hit thirty eight. Uh, no, I think we hit thirty eight, thirty five, thirty six, and thirty three, and we've had. Four or five moves up to past 31.50, only to 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 land below there. So uh, now the the Nasdaq's been up to 44, so it's you know it's getting up there. We'll see what happens. Hey, we'll be right back with the insiders and just a wrap up. Uh, so stay tuned. This is Martin Investor Show. Investor Show and Tim Hayes, and, and um, if you'd like to sit down and have a cup of coffee with me, talk about your portfolios. Uh, look, there's some wonderful things that well, uh, RBC Wealth Management has been doing. Number one is we've allowed uh, uh, our prospective clients to try the wealth plans. Okay, now you can't go into as much detail as we do in the normal wealth plan, but it allows you to take a look at it. And if you'd like to, you know, that'd be great. Uh, on March 12th, if you go back on my, you know, if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcasts, you know, you can go back several months uh, in my podcast. If you go back to May 12th, we had Rich Matthews on, and he went into quite a detail about uh, uh, the wealth plan. And it's about 15 minutes long. Also, if, if you are a businessman and you own your own business, you know, we had Dane Tupich on on the April 9th show. It's about a half an hour, and he has all sorts of neat ways to help you hide more money from the government. <laughs> this is what it comes down to. So he's he's very good at it. Uh, and if you'd like to have a conversation with Dane and myself, you know, uh, I could, I'd be glad to help uh, manage the money and uh, um, 
gain will help you put more of it away. Trust me on that one. So uh, that's it's March 12th with Rich Matthews and April 9th with Dane Tupich. So uh, stay tuned. So anyway, we talk about insiders all the time because insiders know their companies better than we do. And boy, there's been a lot of insider buying, folks. So if this if we're going down the tubes, the insiders are buying at a pretty big pace. Uh, so we'll just go from there. So Coinbase. Uh, everybody's hated stock. I noticed a director, uh, Fred Ersham, on May 13th bought $50 million worth of stock. That is not chump change, folks. Now, here's a really interesting one. We had Warren Buffett. They have a 5% position in this company. And I know a hedge fund that made a pretty big position on it. And the hedge fund is one of those guys that, you know, thinks 24 hours is a long-term hold. <laughs> and now we have National Amusement Company uh, bought 646,000 shares or $20 million worth of Paramount Global. Now, if you want to never heard that name before, that's the old Viacom, folks. So there we go. And Twitter. You know, we have Prince Ben, Alou- ben Alouid. I guess, you know, I, I know he's the Saudi guy. Yeah. He bought 490,000 shares. He now owns 30 million of Twitter. So. Uh, you like to see that, and then uh, American Homes for Rent. We, you know, they bought last week. We bought another 19.8 million dollars worth, and Jim DeFranco bought Dish, you know, which was beat up. It's like 32 down to 20, uh, and he's a director. He bought about 14.8 million, and then uh, Coliseum Capital Management, you know, which got really kind of crushed in this name uh, earlier, by the way. And it's Purple Innovations that make mattresses. Uh, they bought another uh, $14 million worth. And then I think they bought, uh, the two days later, they bought uh, $4.5 million worth. So they're really, uh, they bought quite a bit. They bought quite a bit at the 10, 11 level, too. So um, that's interesting. And then our friend Howard Schultz uh, bought another $4.9 million worth of Starbucks. Uh, so he's, but three times in the last you know month or so. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Coliseum on purple uh, bought another 9.7 million uh, yesterday. Uh, so uh, totally forgot about that one too. Uh, I'm going to put these down a little bit. Also, here's an interesting one. The Baker brothers, who have one of the best track records in biotech, and they got beat up in this stock. They bought 456,000 shares of, of Kodak, Kodiak, uh, biosciences. That's KOD as a symbol. And, you know, they, they got, that stock got uh, pummeled and they owned quite a bit of it. So it's kind of interesting. And then um, th- this is another name that I think is uh, Adam Portnoy. Now he's been buying a lot of real estate lately. He, last week, you know, he bought a, a ton of it, but he, he bought uh, $9.4 million of Seven Hills Realty Trust, uh, which is pretty big numbers uh, when you think about it. And then uh, Avid Technology, uh, which is another, you know, uh, it's kind of a gaming stock. Uh, that th- we had uh, Christian Ashmeyer as a director buy 6.8 million, and then we had the folks over at uh, Six Flags buy another six million dollars worth. And you know, so we're starting to see a lot of this stuff go. You know, we're seeing quite a bit of uh, money coming into these things. And then Value Act uh, bought some more. Um, Insight Enterprises, you know, they were buying all last week, and so they bought another uh, 3.9 million. They, 
they probably bought about 20 million in, in the last week or so. So that's kind of uh, really interesting. And then we have Stagwell, which is advertising. We had uh, director uh, Eli Samaha buy 3.4 million. And then uh, ViewRay, another medical device device company, we had a director buy uh, 1. Point, uh, some million, you know, and a couple other names uh, that I think are important. Oh, uh, Six Flags. Uh, we also, I forgot, Eric Rugchim bought uh, $2 million worth, too. Um, and Custom Truck, we had one buyer of $2, $2 million. And uh, Site Sciences, we had the uh, a director, uh, who's a pretty smart director, by the way. Uh, he bought twice. He bought $2.6 million, then $2 million. And then Bryant Riley, the chairman and co-CEO of Riley uh, uh uh, B. Riley Financial bought another $2.4 million. He's bought a, quite a bit of stock recently. Uh, and then finally, Morgan Stanley, which is down from about 100 to 80. Uh, we had a director, Steve Luxo, uh, buy uh, $1.9 million. So quite a bit of buy-in in that, uh, in that area over the course of the last uh, uh, week or two, you know, um, actually a month or two in, the, in Riley's case. So here we are. We see investor sentiment, both institutional. Uh, this is the lowest I've seen the AAII since the fourth quarter of 1999 when Saddam Hussein rode into town. And the bear sentiment is, again, at very high levels. It's not as high as it was back then, but it's pretty high. We've got the advanced decline line uh, not you know, hitting new lows. Now, the 52 new week lows uh, – did not move above the January lows, but it is showing early signs of, of declining and remains an important indicator to monitor in the next couple of weeks. Now, the percentage of stocks uh, above their 200-day moving average uh, hit a new low on Thursday, uh, I mean Wednesday, uh, so we'll watch that fairly closely. Growth versus value is definitely value for now, all right, uh, and if you want to look at high beta versus low volatility, low volatility is the way to go. But just remember, the 10-year Treasury yield did break above its 40-year downtrend line. I want you to think about that. So if you've been buying bonds for the last 40 years, you've been counting on getting a couple extra bucks from the capital gains if you sold them. Well, that may not be happening anymore. Uh, now, it doesn't mean it's going to go straight up. I imagine after a 40-year decline, you're going to have some sideways movement before we go up. But it probably means it's going up. Uh, simple as that. You know, it, right now we're at a spot, you know, back uh, to I think it was 2018 or 19 where, where we hit before in the 10-year. So it would probably be a, a place where we, uh, you know, go sideways for a while. Okay. Now, real yields uh, are showing very early evidence of stalling. And, but they're up there, uh, and we'll see what happens there. And then the second thing is, like we talked earlier, the dollar has broken the downtrend line dating back to 1984. It's a long time, folks. So that, that means the dollar is probably going to be a solid citizen. probably means that interest rates are not going back down for a while. Now, I would say the momentum, if we look at the weekly momentum, is kind of overbought, so – you know, don't go chasing the dollar or anything like that. It, it, by the way, that usually means the Canadian dollar is breaking down, which it is. Not terribly, but uh, it, it is. And, and, you know, we talked about crude oil. Uh, I think you want to wait a little bit or buy things that are down. And I think you also, uh, you know, if you're buying straight out crude oil, 
or crude oil stocks, I think you want to look at the the ones that are going to benefit if we drill again. If something tells me uh, uh, in next two years, well, in two years, we'll probably be looking at uh, drilling quite a bit of oil. Uh, you know, th- I don't know if you know this, but out in Oregon, I think it is, or Washington, uh, uh, gasoline they ran out. So you know they they can't they don't know how to put on the gas tank. A, you know you only have six numbers, so they need I mean that uh, three numbers. You need four for ten bucks because that's what gas is out there. Uh, copper futures are pulled back, and I you know uh, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, gold has pulled back. I don't think that's the end of the world too. I think relative versus copper though it's it's held up better. So it's actually probably broken out versus copper. So those are things you're you want to think about. And so what would I do now? I would be looking, uh, look, I I talked to people about a business owner's guide to transition. That's still available. Money matters for young professionals is still important. And here's one that I think that I've only got like two people talking about is the U S electrical grid. Uh, this is a really good report. And we, we face a historical upheaval coming in that, that area. Also, don't forget, we had our healthcare conference this week. They've been down and out. There's probably some really, really good values in that in that report. Uh, that's available. But what's more important is during inflationary times, dividend stocks are important. People keep asking me, why do I keep harping on dividend stocks? Because I've been there before, folks. Dividends prop stocks up in bad days, all right? Now, the dividend stocks gave it up a little bit on Wednesday, but they, they held up a lot better, a lot better than the stocks that didn't have dividends, okay? Because you can't fake dividends. That's number one. Number two, yield props you up. So when the yield gets higher, people tend to buy them, right? Uh, and right now, I think the prime income list and the dividend growth portfolio are a great place to be. In the meantime, have yourself a great weekend. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk in a week or so. And uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, you go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, directly to contact me if you want to have a, a cup of coffee. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.